This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's caught them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Thanks for checking out the Coaches Show. I'm Brian Billick, joined by Steve Mariucci. And Steve, the uh, football gods, they're a funny funny bunch of guys now. You know, the Arizona Cardinals are sitting there at 8-1. and one. Bruce Aaron's doing a heck of a job. He's got a great defense. Everything's going their way. And then, boom, down boom. goes Carson Palmer. Let's talk a little bit about what is in store for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and Carson was having such a great season. Had only thrown three interceptions all season and was undefeated as a quarterback. Well... He's going to miss the rest of the way, right? And, and uh, Bruce Arians brought Drew Stanton there for a reason. He knew the system. He, he liked his maturity. He's 30 years old. He's not a kid anymore. Uh, so if anybody's going to take over for Carson Palmer, you can see Carson right there, that left knee right there. Ugh, same knee he injured uh, when he was at Cincinnati. And uh, hopefully he'll be back uh, better than new oh he tweaked it right there too and it was not odd, uh, odd kind of uh, how many times did we see that again it wasn't like he got crumpled up and tackled just kind of open got torqued a little uh, bit and it just must have hit just the wrong way yeah i think he had an acl and mcl that last that last surgery there but uh hopefully this is not going to require too much repair but Let's go Drew Stanton. He's going to have to save the day. Well, and Bruce has come out, like we all would say. I mean, what else are you going to say? But we can go win a Super Bowl because that's where they're at right now. They're 8-1. and one. When <laughs> yeah. you look at their schedule, without you know being disrespectful, they got Atlanta, Kansas City, St. Louis, Kansas City's at home. You can see them getting to 11-5 in a heartbeat. That doesn't even address what they'll do this week at Detroit, which is going to be a really great game. They got Seattle twice and San Francisco. So if they can just steal one or two of those, all of a sudden now you're looking at a 12-win season maybe. So clearly they're on the path for the playoffs. But let's talk about – now they have faith in Drew Stanton, but, you know, frankly now Drew Stanton's a sub-60% guy, just about as many touchdowns as interception. He does have a little experience. Now he says he's not going to change anything, Bruce Arians, but don't you have to alter the offense just a little – in terms of playing, playing great defense. Let's, run, let's put more emphasis on the run and the ball and yeah. let this guy yeah. just not lose it for us. Well, the answer is yes, because I, I think Drew stands a little bit more mobile than Carson Palmer is. And you saw when he came in the game, he ran some play action stuff, some movement stuff. And I think he can do this very well. Uh, the only problem with that is they've got to run the ball more often. Andre, Andre Ellington only had 23 yards rushing. So they've got to find uh, some balance in their offense. But I think Drew Stanton's capable of getting the ball down the field. Look, he's, look, he's, he's got a lot of guts now. Look at that. Look at that, John Brown. Now, I like the dance. Look at that. No, Brian, that no. looks like you. No, we got to work on your that. College days. He needs some spandex on if he's going to do a dance like that. <laughs> but, but you talk about the running game. Normally, okay, we'll look at the Arizona Cardinals 8-1 saying, because they're playing great defense. Not good defense, great defense. Shut down secondary that lets Todd Bowles pressure all he wants with seven and eight guys. But you got to run. They're 29th in the league in rushing. They've got to yeah. commit to running the ball better if they're going to help Drew Stanton, you know, not turn the ball over, get you one, maybe two touchdowns a game, and let that formula win for you. No doubt. We always say, uh, and he's not a young quarterback, but he's a backup and he's a new quarterback. You got to play defense, which they will, and you got to run the ball. 
to help that guy out a little bit. So I, I think Bruce knows that. He'll run the football more often and, and in a better way to help him out. But, uh, you know, he says Drew Stan can win a Super Bowl for him. You know, what, what else is he going to say? Well, he's good right. enough to take second in our division. Right. No, yeah. he's got he's to show oh, We're dead. We're done. We're shutting guy. it down because there's no way we can win <laughs> with this guy. So, yeah, what, 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 what do you think he's going to say? Uh, and and I, the team, again, that's two and one. Okay, and the, the, when he has started for them, and he came in and did, as we just showed, that winning touchdown. Uh, so it's not like he just came in and kind of handed off to finish off the game. He actually came no. in and you could say won the game for him. The They're game against Detroit, the, the game against Detroit's going to be interesting because Detroit mm-hmm. has you talk about, or we just talk about their ability mm-hmm. to run the ball. Detroit. That front seven of theirs can make it a long day running the ball for Arizona. But conversely, I'm loving waiting for the matchup between Patrick Peterson and Antonio Cromartie. they got nothing but first-round draft choices back there. Uh, Deion Buchanan and even Tyron Matthew. He was a first-round He was a third-round, but he was a first-round talent. We agree with that. It was the off-field deal. That, so you're talking about four first-rounders matching up against Megatron and, and obviously Golden, Golden Tate. Tate. And uh, Riddick coming out of the backfield, the tight ends, if they're healthy now is when. Th- this is this going to be worth the price of admission. Yeah, and you got uh, Drew Stanton's a Michigan kid, right, from Farmington Hills over there. And, he, you know, this, this is going to be a huge game in terms of NFC playoff ramifications. Detroit goes to Arizona. Both quarterbacks are going to be slinging it around, and it's going to come down to which corners can hold up the best. Yeah, it's, and, and the, the hardest thing I have is that running game. They, they've got five games that they've played. Now, this is an 8-1 and one football team, but five games where they've had less than 100 yards rushing and only four with over 100. So you're right, the touches, their ability to run, um, they, they've got to get more focused on that. And, and we talked about Bruce Arians. Let's remember Tom Moore, long-time offensive mind in this league he's kind of mentoring the quarterbacks and the effect you can see that he's that he's had on uh, Carson Palmer and that also will be a very calm voice for Drew Stanton to draw on along with Bruce Arians so yeah these guys are going to be okay and if anybody can pull it out it'll be Bruce Arians Uh, let's move on we were talking a little bit about boy that uh, Sunday night game Mooch, I, I, you'd like to say boy I've been there and how tough that is fortunately you and I I don't know about you but I've never been there not, not when you're looking up and it's that slow train wreck that we saw with Chicago and Green Bay and Mark yeah. Tressman. You got what? What do you what do you say at halftime on a game like that? Oh, you know they're down forty-two to nothing, and and I think that's the second worst of all time at halftime. <clears throat> so there's no cookie cutter speech for something like that. And then they come back out in the third quarter and they get a punt blocked and they're just not very good at anything. And and so <clears throat> I feel bad for these guys. Their expectations was pretty darn high. They were the second best scoring team in the league last year. Four guys that went to Pro Bowls with Cutler and Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall and Forte. They've been very good at times in their careers. <coughs> Excuse me. They're, they're not doing it. They're not doing it in defense either. They're not doing it in special teams either. I don't know. Have a, I don't have an answer for these guys. Well, and 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 this is an indictment to a degree, but the pressure on Mark Tressman now. I do a radio show in Chicago every every week, and you can tell the mentality <laughs> is. I, I mean, look look around the league. Without maybe Dallas, maybe Denver. Is there a gr- offensive group that you would trade for those? If you had those Chicago Bears, you talk about all those receivers, good offensive line, Mills and Long on the right side were rookies last year, and they've played up to it. You got 
Matt Forte behind you, you know, they're they're clearly one of the top five offensive personnel group, aren't they? And and they're just no production. They're not in and you got a, a versatile running back with a big receiving group, tight ends and receivers are huge and a strong arm quarterback. And they're just not getting the plays, especially down the field, like they did a year ago. They they have to earn every yard they make. They have to go the distance, 12 plays to, to get it in the end zone. They're finding a way to shoot themselves in the foot, whether it's a penalty, a drop pass, a fumble, a sack, a illegal procedure. They can't put successive plays together, and I, I'm shocked. I, I'm, I'm when I, at halftime, because I, I stuck around and I did game day final last night, yes, and I'm did. watching this at halftime, and I'm thinking of the, the longtime Chuck Mills. Remember Chuck Mills, former head coach, college head coach? Was I think it was at William and Mary. Nope. And they were playing Oklahoma. And they were down, same thing, kind of like 50 to nothing at half. And the, the story is, is that at halftime, Chuck Mills went in, got his team together, says, guys, here's what we're going to do. Because, you know, in Oklahoma, every time they score, that boomer sooner, right? And the horses oh, yeah. go around. He says, guys, we're going to let, the, I don't care how many times we have to let them score, I want that horse dead. I want that horse to pass out from a heart attack. I don't care if we have to give up 150 points. That's our goal is to run that horse into the ground. <laughs> All right, coach, let's go do it. Did they do it? Oh, I don't know, but it probably got close. That was, you know, and it, we can make fun of it. We, it's, it's tough because this is going to get ugly in Chicago, I think, whether it's Mark Trestman, Mel Tucker, the defensive coordinator. You know, he came into a tough situation. They were pretty good on defense when they took over. So he, he kind of gave himself over. He says, okay, we'll use your terminology. We'll run your defense. And they were terrible last year. And Mark Trestman, in my opinion, smartly kept Mel Tucker, even though they were last in the league in defense. And now Mel said, okay, well, now I'm going to do it my way. And they had a transition. And they've got some people now. They brought in Jared Allen and Willie Young on the defensive line. Uh, uh, Lance Briggs is just coming back healthy. So there are some people there. Their safeties are really suspect with Monday and Chris Conte. Um, this defensive group, I, they're going to stick together. But unfortunately, there's going to be some pressure here in Chicago at the end of the yeah. year. Yeah, they got Lance Briggs back, but it didn't seem to help much last night. Peanut Tillman's not coming back. Kyle Fuller, I like him, the rookie over there. Uh, right. Corner. He's right. going to be a good player. Showing He's not some there signs. yet, but. You know, they just they busted so many coverages. That's the problem. If you if you give up a touchdown pass and it's contested and it's close, fine. But when guys are wide open like that. And Jordy Nelson. In, if there's one guy you're going to cover, it's Jordy Nelson, right? If there's one guy you're going to yeah, cover, roll up to, double, whatever it is, and he's just running down the field with that first touchdown, you know, no one even close. Yeah, and then uh, they throw a little screen pass to this guy right here, Eddie Lacy, and it goes for about 60 yards for a touchdown. Nobody wanted to tackle the guy. Yeah, a lot of business decisions being made on that one. That's a big back to bring down. But but I just – and, and on, the, on the Jordy Nelson, it looked like the corner was playing cover two, but the safety was playing one free in the middle. That's a <laughs> tough combination now. Yeah, those don't go together. And so uh, they've got some things to fix. You know, as a head coach, you, you come back after a game and you say, all right, let's look at what we did well. Let's look at what we need to improve. Ooh, they've got a laundry list now. In every phase of the game, we've got to get better at this, 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 this. In the secondary, you've got to get this, 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 this. In the passing game, they've got a lot of things to try to figure out. We have Minnesota coming to town. 
uh, a game they have a chance to win. they got to find a way to win it. Yeah, in the division, which makes it doubly tough. So, well, let's move on to, uh, to uh, your neck of the woods in this NFC West with Seattle and San Francisco. Obviously, you know, Seattle held, held court, you know, obviously home against a, a questionable New York Giant team. But, boy, the Niners, we talked about last week about the Niners going in to play New Orleans, and this was going to be just the team they needed to play because going on the road and beating Jacksonville wasn't going to do any good. Go into New Orleans where they have not been beat, 11 straight games, winning streak at home. That's kind of their mantle. Uh, and able to pull out a, a really huge win on the road at New Orleans. San Francisco, I'm not going to say they're totally back, but they've kept them, They've righted their ship and at least have given themselves a chance right now sitting here at 5-4. and four. Huge win because really up here in the Bay Area, people were saying – Boy, if we lose this game and drop to five and four, the percentage of making playoffs is 13%. Uh, this would be a killer, okay? Well, they win the game in overtime. Crazy game. They, they did some great things. Look at this. Great catch. Keenan Lewis had good coverage, but this one right here. Fourth and ten. This game should have been over, but the safety came out of coverage and let that catch, gave up the field goal. Anquan Bolden had 15 targets. That guy's a stud. And then Colin Kaepernick wasn't very good, but he made a couple plays that he needed to. And, and uh, I thought the Saints had some opportunities they missed right before the half. They had two timeouts in their pocket, and they hurried, and they drew through a, t- a pass into triple coverage, intercepted right before the half, when really they could have just slowed it down, took a timeout, kick a field, whatever. Uh, but the 49ers found a way to win it. They're 5-4. and four. They're right back in it, and they're going to start getting healthy. Yeah, on defense, which is obviously has not been the problem. Well, let's talk a little bit about them and the Seahawks in terms of mm. both are on the verge of leaving the NFC West and going into the NFC wildcard division, notwithstanding how Arizona plays. And that gets very competitive now because Green Bay and, and, uh, mm. and obviously um, – uh, you're looking at uh, Dallas and, and, and Philadelphia is in that competition. Nothing's going to come out of the NFC South, obviously. But if you're looking in the NFC North along with Detroit and Green Bay. So if you look at this, and remember now, Seattle, and it was a good solid win for them. They got there on a three-game winning streak. But two a month ago, remember, Seattle had back-to-back losses. And people were wondering where they're going to go. And Pete Carroll was saying kind of like, uh, uh, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers, hey, just relax. We're okay. Well, he said just relax because they were going to play Oakland. Carolina and the New York Giants, who collectively mm-hmm. are six and twenty and one, so Pete mm-hmm. kind of knew, you know, where they were heading them with that thing. But if you look at the schedule, and they've got Kansas City, of course, San Francisco twice, they got Arizona, they got to play Philly in there at Philly. I can see where Seattle and and San Francisco kind of scratch out maybe a ten and six, eleven and five record, and one of them is going to be out of the playoffs at ten and six or even eleven and five. Brian, it's possible that both of them miss the playoffs, the playoffs, because you're going to have probably two out of the NFC East, Eagles and Cowboys, getting in. You're probably going to have two out of the NFC North, Lions and Packers, getting in. So it's possible that you need to win the NFC West to get in. Obviously, Arizona's in the driver's seat with their record, but all of these teams play each other now. And wouldn't that be something if Seattle and 49ers don't get in? Yeah. Whoa. When we, all, when we thought the NFC West might see three participants in the playoffs, 
Yeah. But given the Arizona at 10 and 6 last year, didn't make the playoffs. So, uh, but you're right. This is becoming very competitive in that way. All right, pick one. What do you think? Who? San, San Francisco who or in? Seattle? Who gets in if you had to I, pick one? I think San Francisco. Only because they're going to be a complete team here going into December. They get, They're uh, going to get Willis Alden back, Smith back, Navarro Bowman. Navarro Bowman, Patrick, Will, he, Patrick Willis hasn't played in the last few games. He's coming back. Uh, Glenn Dorsey, possibly. I think they're going to be more whole going down the stretch. And the way they play the Seahawks twice within three weeks. And the healthiest team will win. Yeah, good, good point. And the good thing for them, too, is they've got Oakland in between. So, you know, which is obviously that. You look at their schedule in terms of New York, maybe Washington at home, Oakland, you know, San Diego. We'll see where they are at. So you can easily see that path that now it really comes down to those split games with Seattle and that last game against Arizona. Yeah, it could come down to that one uh, for all the enchiladas. I mean, it's Arizona at San Francisco, winner take all. Well, one of the coaches that had a really good, solid win this week, a uh, 21-7 win against the Tennessee Titans, was John Harbaugh of the Baltimore Ravens, and we had a chance to catch up with John. He'll walk in for the touchdown! Boy, that was a fantastic call. Torrey Smith has it! Touchdown! Talk about great effort, boy. Well, I'm joined by the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, John Harbaugh. And John, great win. Every win's a great win. But talk a little bit about, I always found that playing a team like Tennessee, struggling a little bit, a team you're supposed to beat at home, sometimes those were the hardest games to get through. Those can be the hardest games. And we had another challenge being the fact that we're going into our bye week this week. We were coming off a really physical game against the Steelers on Sunday night. It was an emotionally challenging loss. And then the Titans had the bye week the week before so they were preparing for us and they had a great game plan for us so really well coached team uh, but our guys overcame it they fought through it and I thought we got better as the game went on I thought when they had driven the ball initially and then you got that turnover down on the goal line not that the, the, the team woke up but that was kind of like okay now, now we'll write this thing going forward it was big you know we preached to our guys all the time especially in the red zone just make them play one more play Let's make it hard for him to score, do everything we can to keep him out, and maybe we'll have a chance to make a play. And that's probably the training tape for that coaching point right there. Yeah, absolutely. You can't you – can't, always those good teaching moments, no question about it. And your team responded very well. I want to talk about Justin Forsett a little bit. Uh, obviously, you know, the guy's fourth in the league in rushing right now, had a big game the other day, 20 carries for 112 yards. When, and obviously he suits the Gary Kubiak zone running system. Did you know when you first got him – that, that he was going to kind of be this good, or is it kind of like, oh, boy, did he kind of grow on you? Well, I'd like to say that I knew. Uh, Justin knew. He uh, has been a guy, if you look at his career, he's made a lot of plays. He's good in pass protection. He can catch the ball. But the thing I think that we're seeing now that maybe people didn't know about, he's got unbelievable vision, and he makes people miss. So he's making yards for us, and it's just been a great addition. It's nobody. I don't think anybody predicted it. Even Gary probably didn't predict it. But uh, Justin, he has done some special things. On, on really both of the touchdown runs, but one in particular, it's, you know, obviously, as we both know in that zone running scheme, you got to be patient. And, and when right. you make that one cut and go, and there were a couple plays, one on the touchdown where he really showed that patience of, okay, I know it's coming, I know it's coming, boom, now I'm ready to go. 
Right. He does have patience, and he's not in a hurry to get into the hole. He sees the whole broad spectrum of the line of scrimmage. I've seen him take a stretch play outside the tight end to the, to the right and all the way back behind the whole defense to the left, and that's pretty hard to do. Another guy I want to talk about, someone that I'm familiar with, Torrey Smith, that came in that was a raw talent when he came in. A lot of people – I don't right. think fully appreciate just how raw he was. This was a there was some growth that had to happen here, and it looks like he has really gotten to that point where he is really a true professional now. Well, he's running all the routes now. He's doing a great job with the underneath routes, the stop routes coming back to the sideline, the deep middle crossing routes, the routes that are hard for those guys to run. We always thought he could track deep balls. Um, he's probably done a better job in the past than that he has this year, but he's drawn penalties this year because people are kind of grabbing him deep. But he made plays for us yesterday deep, which was huge. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he's the number one penalized, meaning he draws more penalties than any receiver in the league so far. Right. That's right. as good as a catch, right? Absolutely. It's <laughs> pass interference. That's the rules of the game. Uh, but uh, you know what? Hey, you know, he goes up and makes plays. He can run fast, and guys are grabbing him, and I think that's a sign of respect. Sure, that's all part of it. Um, I, I got to ask you, and given your special teams background, because I'm sitting, I'm watching all the games. The thing I'm loving right now in what I do for the NFL Network, I get to watch all the games. And then for Playbook, I've got to get ready for my segments. Special teams, and maybe it just feels this way, we're seeing more blocked punts, blocked mm-hmm. kicks, more punt returns. And I'm, I'm the old coach in me is coming out. Is part of this a function of the limited time you have to get your teams ready in training camp and then during the season? It probably is part of that. Another theory that we have is the fact that there are fewer kickoff and kickoff return plays. So it uh, lessens the, the value of special teams players. And maybe sometimes guys aren't keeping those veteran players that know how to play quite as much. So you get worse covered kickoffs and worse covered punts, and it creates more big plays. Just sheer reps, something you're not doing as much of, and all of a sudden it's not as good. Well, I'm looking at your division, Coach, and who'd have thought all but early? I love it when they say, well, if the playoffs started today, well, they don't. But could you envision being 6-4 and four and technically being last in the division? That just doesn't make sense. Yeah, we're not looking at it that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what it says is how good your division is. Talk a little bit about that. It is a great division. You know, I thought at the beginning of the year it had a chance to be the best division in football. We just have to do our part. We've got six games left. We've got three excellent teams in our division. We're going to have to play great football to keep up with these teams. We plan on doing that. That's our objective. That's our goal. You ever think about petitioning to move to the NFC South where, where four and five leads the division? That, that would solve the problem <laughs> right there. Uh, we like our rivalries. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously the, what you've got coming in front of you, you've got to feel very good about where you're at in terms of kind of in control of your own destiny, just simply sitting at 6-4, and four, which is pretty darn good, and the teams you have to play obviously within the division. Cleveland you're going to play again, obviously, uh, who leads the division right now. That part of it's got to make you feel good. It does. You know, the teams in this division are going to play against each other, and there's going to be some losses and some wins kind of stacked up that way. But we've got to take care of our business. We've got to go to New Orleans in two weeks. We've got San Diego coming in here in three weeks. Tough schedule after that. Well, deserve it. Uh, week off, Coach. Get some time away. We appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Great being with you. Always enjoy visiting with John Harbaugh. Always has a, a good, solid perspective on the game. Coach, let's talk about they had a little bit of a, a flurry about a, a locker room conversation at the end of the game that was filmed, and he made a comment about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it wasn't supposed to be public, but it was. Let's talk about post-game 
speeches a little bit. Tell me about one of your better post-game speeches. We played one on here the other day on the show, right, where it said, look, I know you guys don't listen to half of what I say, and I don't listen to half and believe half of what I say either, but and went on to make whatever point. Let's talk about the purpose. What is that, that post-game locker room pep talk by the coach supposed to be? Well, you know, when you win, it's great. It's a, there's nothing better than a joyous locker room, right? And there's nothing worse than a discouraged, angry locker room. But one thing is, one thing really ticked me off one time. I was in a locker room. This is a little bit like John's. First of all, you have to allow the network to come in and, and film if you want them in there. Well, when I was with San Francisco, we won a game. We ended up 12-4. and four. And because other games were going on at the same time, we learned that we were going to go to Green Bay for a playoff game. And we were the wildcard team at 12-4. and four. And I said, that's great. That's, we're going to go to the frozen tundra, and it's going to be 20 <laughs> below, and big hairy armpit. We're going to go in there and going to kick their butt. Well, the headlines everywhere was Mariucci calls Green Bay, Wisconsin, a big hairy armpit. So, <laughs> and this is where I'm from. And these are and your so guys. I was pissed. Oh, at. my I, God. I can't remember if it was Fox or CBS. I can't remember what network. I was so – because I had to answer every press call oh, every gosh. day, even when I went back there. And this is where I grew up. Obviously, I have all the respect in the world for them. But they aired it, and they kind of made me look stupid. Yeah. And I was uh, reluctant to let any networks in my locker room after that. Yeah, I like, progr- you just cut you know, your own throat. We've all had. I, 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 I can make myself look stupid without any help. So I, <laughs> I don't need a network to you're exactly right. How about the one not long ago when uh, I think it was Rex Ryan's second year when and you, he came out to his news conference kind of apologizing, well, it's too bad we haven't made the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. And they, coach, no, so-and-so lost. You're in the playoffs. So you have to wonder, well, what was his locker room speech, which yeah, you always do before you come in? Well, guys, you know, <laughs> I'll see you on Monday. And check we'll, out meeting. We'll check out meetings at 2 o'clock and then get to your <laughs> rush back into the Oh, thing. we have to play. Oh, by the way, guys, no, well, hold on. Half the guys have already left and checked out. And, oh, boy, yeah. That, I, I, you know, the, to me, the post game was always, yes, all week long you're setting a theme. You know, it begins with that Wednesday morning meeting, and you kind of set mm-hmm. a couple themes you hope the players buy into, and you, you touch on it during the course of the week. And then at Saturday night, you know, you kind of bring it full circle in terms of the message you're delivering. And then hopefully after the game, in a positive sense, you, you, you finish it off. You bring back, okay, we said we had to do so-and-so and so, and we did that, and that's great. And, uh, and, and you finish it off. It was always – you're right. It's always a very, very emotional time. Uh, but you can tell, as with Rex Ryan, just to get that one win. You talk, and, and Mike Smith in Atlanta the same way. You, you know that the exhale that you have now with those guys, just to give them. Okay, we we. And how about Mike Smith? They're they're sitting there at three and six. Yeah. They're one game out. How about just that? One. How about that motivational guys? Let's win win for the Gipper, and we're only one game out at three and six. God bless America. At three and six, you're only one game out. That's fantastic. I know. That's why the you know the going into November. And December is so interesting in the National Football League because most teams still have a chance. And so that's what makes it awesome. Yeah, and, and the outcomes are very, very, very quantifiable now. Again, I always said, everybody said, well, this is a must win and this is a big win. Well, no more so than September. We just know what the outcome is now based on or what the results are of because that win in September is probably what sets you up in November and December for this to be a must win or one way or the other. Well, thanks for checking us out here on The Coach's Show. Make sure you go to NFL Now every week to check out The Coach's Show.